0: Welcome to The Near Memo, a weekly conversation about search, social, and commerce. What happened, why it matters, and the implications for local. Here we are once again with The Near Memo. It's David, Mike, and Greg talking about search, social, and commerce through a local lens. And we've got an action-packed episode, as always, for you. We're going to start off today with Mike, who's going to talk about some of the recent developments around review fraud, the one-star review extortion scam, and Amazon's uh, effort to take down some of the Facebook groups that are generating a lot of the fake reviews. So, Mike, take it away.
1: So, Amazon, in a fancy press release, announced that they were requesting... Did you say fancy press release? In a detailed press release, noted that they were asking Facebook to take down 10,000 groups, where fake reviews were sold and they were on they they were acting in the best interest of consumers google also noted that they were going to that they just recently learned about the extortion efforts in restaurants and that they were going to do something about it so in amazon's case of the 10,000 facebook only took down 5,000 of these groups now either amazon sort of threw in an extra 5,000 just for the brown number of asking for group takedowns of groups, or Facebook isn't there doing the job, which is equally possible. But it was definitely performance theater. The piece that got me was the quote here, permanently ridding fake reviews across retail, travel, and other sectors will require greater public-private partnership, including collaboration between the affected companies, social media sites, and law enforcement, all focused on a goal of greater consumer protection Amazon remains eager to continue to partner with all the relevant stakeholders to achieve that mutual goal. This is from a company that, like Google, created an environment where it was obvious many, many years ago that fake reviews were a problem. They put virtually zero effort into it. Google, equally culpable, finally acknowledged this scam that we've been in the press for the last three weeks. Every major city, San Francisco, Houston, Chicago, Miami, New York, York, all these places finally made it to the New York Times and the Guardian. And they finally posted a post by a low level community manager that they recently became aware of a scam targeting businesses, (laughs) which is total BS. They've known of this scam forever. In fact, I wrote about this scam in 2011. It's been ongoing since then. And they said, all you got to do is flag the reviews on their review flagging software. In other words, they're not doing anything special here. They're just letting their Indian subcontractors take the reviews down as Search Engine Land said sometimes. So both of these are just performance theater in light of the FTC finally saying that they're going to hold these folks accountable. In fact, Facebook did, similar performance theater a couple of weeks ago, talking to people who've been trying to get Facebook reviews taken down that are clearly similar ilk, nobody's home. So between Facebook, Amazon, and Google, they've created this morass. And as is typical, Amazon says, well, it's everybody's problem, you know? Uh, so anyway, sorry, that wasn't a talk, that was a rant. You, you will, I look through, forward to your response
0: one one question that arises in my mind is is what could the F, what kind of action could the ftc take against the platforms given the liability shield that section 230 of the Communi- communications decency act provides them i don't think there is any action uh really uh, it, fake reviews are a form of consumer deception the ftc earlier put everybody on notice that um they had new endorsement guidelines including reviews and that if different tools and platforms didn't comply then they would be potentially subject to whatever fines remedies are available now to the FTC but i i think there's a kind of conflict between that and section 230 but that's that's a sort of a legal question that may never
2: get answered but i i let I, me go ahead go ahead let Dan. me let me ask you this do you think that an and sort of sort of an ongoing public shaming by the FTC With the depth and detail that a government organization can provide in terms of the number of instances and the prevalence of these instances, would be enough that just the brand hit to these three platforms might be enough, uh, and and maybe even more significant than some sort of financial penalty. Well,
0: definitely, definitely more significant. Other directive. Definitely, the shaming and the public repudiation is more significant to these brands than the financial penalties in the U.S um in Europe it's a little bit of a different story now but i think that my my own view is is that the that these fake reviews and the growing awareness of fake reviews is contributing to a certain level of declining trust that may be driving some people to other places certainly i've stopped paying any attention to amazon reviews at all i buy stuff on amazon i don't read the reviews at all and it's been a great relief actually um but but i so i think some of what's going on with the gen z and tiktok and instagram taking taking some of the share from google in local search which we're going to talk about uh um a little bit later is is partly fueled by a lack of trust in the content that that people are seeing i mean i i'm not saying that that's the main driver but i think that that's playing at the margins so i think these these platforms do need to really be concerned about public perceptions. And I think the shaming that you described would would get them to take some action. But I'm not sure that it would be different than what Mike is railing against, you know, this kind of performance review enforcement theater where oh, it's, a, it's a well-trodden playbook
2: at this point. Yeah, I mean, they uh, say we're taking we're, they political they,
0: political they political file political. a symbolic lawsuit and they and they point to this this or that mitigation that they're doing. But they don't do it consistently, and they don't have
2: a, a structured program in place to truly oh, and there's nothing proactive about right. it. yeah I, although so they are reactive basically.
0: They on. all say that our algorithms are removing millions of fake reviews before consumers ever see them. Amazon said that in the, re- in the release that you're talking about.
1: And Google consistently says this. The other thing about the Google response, which I find fascinating, is that it re- it's reflective of not just their review playbook. But their problem playbook, when Google runs into, Google measures problems in the marketplace, like they measure everything, they track it. And when there's a certain amount of noise in the marketplace, you know, if it was just Houston, they might not have responded, but then Houston, Chicago, Miami, San Francisco, and finally the New York Times, they ultimately responded and said, oh, we're doing something, which Search Engine Land and Search Engine Roundtable dutifully reported out as them doing something. All they're really doing is acknowledging that there is a problem, but it's a problem we've known about for 10 years, and hoping people will stop talking about it. And so if this is their playbook. And then they just go on doing what they've been doing, which is not allocating resources to, review, to creating an effective mechanism to monitor and moderate reviews because it's too expensive. Requires too it's, much human. It's
0: it's not too and, it's not too expensive. I mean, in fairness, it's,
1: I, I'm, it's I'm, not I'm, a fun. It's I, not a
2: fun problem for it's not a fun problem for a product team to work on. That's ultimately,
1: I think, right. What it is. Exactly. I put that in in, in quotes. Well, it, was in it in fairness
0: way. to 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 Barry Schwartz and to Search Engine Land, I I said something sort of similar. I gave Google I gave Google some credit for addressing the problem, but now now that you've enlightened enlightened oh. me, I retract everything <laughs> positive I said about Google. <laughs>
2: Be Updating that story. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Just a bunch of expletives I'm going to put
0: in there. Um, All right. So let's 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 move on to item number two, which is mine today. Um, A kind of obscure discussion going on around the American Data and Privacy Protection Act, which had long been kind of stalled in committee um, because there were a lot of intractable disputes between Republicans and Democrats about. This National Privacy Act and what was going to happen to state privacy laws and and many other things now has moved out of committee based on some compromises that were struck. And that's a very, very big deal because most bills die in committee. So now that it's out of committee, there may be a floor vote and it may go, it may pass the House um, and it may get through the Senate because they've they've addressed some of the things that uh, Rhea Cantwell, I think, was concerned about. This- despite
2: targeting chuck Schumer's biggest donors i'm a little skeptical of that
0: well we'll uh, see we'll see how that and that's also true hurdle, that's also but... true of,
2: of the uh, antitrust uh, uh, legislation as
0: well same same issue but at least yeah. it now has a, a, there's there's more of a chance that it'll get get to a vote now one of the, th- the things that i that i talked about on wednesday that's important is that among other things it contains language about data collection and ad targeting and there seem to be contradictory provisions in the act, where in one instance, it says you need express uh, consent, affirmative express consent, I forget the verbatim language, meaning opt-in. And in another, it talks about opt-out, opt-out scenarios where people will be given the uh, opportunity to opt out sort of globally or whatever. Those are two very, very different and very material dimensions to this. And the and the industry, of course, is lobbying for opt-out, right? There were there was a, a letter submitted to the, the committee about this should be an opt-out uh, statute because that will allow the the internet to still function based on advertising. Um if it's opt-in and people have to give consent to data being collected and ad-targeting, we're gonna see very, very low opt-in rates. I mean, the the Apple. Uh, by analogy, the Apple opt-in rate is about, arguably, it's less than 25%. Depends on, there's there's ways to manipulate that number, but it's it's 75% of people said no. And if it's opt-out, then it's obviously going to be no change. Most people don't opt-out. Most people don't know how to opt-out. Often, these companies make it very difficult to opt-out. You're not confident when you're going through the motions that of what you're going to get. There's no confirmation of anything um CCPA the California uh, consumer privacy act um is a do you know is an opt out privacy law do not sell my my data i think that's had very very little impact because
1: it's just difficult
0: to opt out it's diff- you know
1: and when you do opt out like i have attempted with google you are continually nagged about opting yeah. in for photos or this yeah and that. they and they it, it,
0: it, it, I I I I said this before, but I think that opt out is itself intrinsically a dark pattern unless it's made so simple. Reject everything, and you know you're done. One click, and you're done. But that's not the way most of these things work. So, ad choices for years, as an example, was a, a an, you know an opportunity for you to opt out of behavioral targeting across the internet, and um, you know nobody did it basically. And that that I think is an illustration of what would happen if this uh, privacy act remains opt out, or if they they uh, they come down on that side. I think it should be opt in, especially given all the the backdrop of all the data being used against you to prosecute you and to surveil you and all that. I think we need we now need to move to an opt in regime. Any any disagreement with that?
1: No, I just would comment that you seem optimistic that our Current form of government is capable of executing an opt-in I'm, deal, which I I'm with David. I do not think, given the relationships that, and how they're driven, I see this as unlikely to be effective.
0: Well, you yes. you may be right, but let's let's just consider for a moment before we we move to um, the Instagram discussion. Let's consider for a moment the 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 sort of doomsday scenario that the industry repeatedly comes back to. That uh, if if they lose the opt out provision, then you know the sky will fall in terms of ad supported content. I don't think that that's true. I mean, I think you can do all kinds of things with contextual targeting
2: and other- magazine Magazines have a very long right. and successful exactly. career running demographically targeted ads based on their content, exactly. not laser exactly. Yeah. And
0: in, and in, and there's evidence. There's some evidence that personalized advertising performs no better than, than contextual targeting, which, you know.
1: And Google still has localization, as does Apple, access to significant amounts of localization information, regardless. Both, So Google would have both contextual and local information, which is really another whole problem.
2: For their own sites, but not an ad
0: network. Not, no, not no.
2: At the, true, yeah,
0: right. And I mean, the first party, you know, first parties would be, would be, would would have to make the case. You'd have to make the case for 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 lo- location. Right. So that that's already true. Uh, on, I, I'm not an a, no longer an Android user, but that's already true in the iPhone. You have to opt in to location sharing. Right. So, okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see first if it what what the final language is and then whether it gets to a vote at all so there's there's sort of two two I'm optimistic about your optimism Greg That's Well so you know you got about. to be optimistic about something this this the, the world is such a dreary place these days and it's just like I don't want to give in to complete pessimism so I'm 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 hopeful somewhat qualified hope All right now so right. another interesting development we've been we've been talking for now what feels like a couple of weeks but it's only been about a week about the revelation, yeah, the revelation by uh, Prabhakar Ra- Ra- Raghavan, the SVP uh, at Google, who is basically runs search and, and, uh, and their ad business, um, that um, 40% of Gen Z were not using Google for local search. They were instead using TikTok and Instagram. And you know we wrote about that and talked about that in previous episodes. And now this week, Instagram updated its map and now has a sort of dynamic, searchable map. With,
2: I'll let you describe it in further detail, David. Sure. Well, there's not really much to describe. I would say it's just a, it's a, I would say a pretty significant upgrade on their prior map search experience, and that there are now filters that you can use and you know look for certain accounts that sort of thing. I I don't necessarily have any great insights from a pure product standpoint of, oh, this is really going to be the killer feature and that sort of thing. It's more directionally, I just thought it was a very interesting story for a couple of reasons. Number one, Mike's tinfoil hat uh, comment and plenty of others online uh, on Twitter, including Rand Fishkin saying, oh, you know, really interesting that Google sort of let this leak just as this big antitrust movement is about to come to a head. And uh, so the timing of this announcement and the, and the release from Facebook is really interesting. It actually, in a way, gives, does Google a little bit of a favor sure. because they now have something concrete to point to, to say, look, Facebook has its own you know, version of what we're doing that's equally successful and it's bleeding users and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I actually see this as, well, two things. First of all, Facebook has been, I don't even know if you could even say trying things in local for a decade uh they sort of it sort of gave up against the wall and leave them there exactly so i i don't know that they've ever really had a concerted effort in local um, but that this this now is a significant upgrade to uh, an experience that they may either see high usage of already within instagram which is interesting in and of itself or they may see that this is now an opportunity, given the other dynamics in the market to actually uh, attract some additional usage uh, through this this new sort of map search interface. So that's number one is just that this this feels like more of a natural fit than anything else they've tried, which has been sort of a bolt-on to a, a complete separate product, right? Like marketplace is, is kind of the thing that sticks out to me is like, that's that was sort of taking pieces of behavior that were happening in the newsfeed and, and creating a product from it. Here, I think it's the reverse, that they're seeing behavioral usage and sort of trying to go with the flow as opposed to divert the river in a different direction. So uh, so that to me is kind of interesting. Number two, I, I think it's actually, again, just conceptually, I'm not, not talking about specific features here or anything like that, but conceptually, this actually does feel like something that a non TikTok user but also somebody who thinks the Google results are crap these days or thinks Google is too polluted or whatever they actually might use to me this is something that is a has a far wider potential demographic appeal than the TikTok search experience and generally the experience of sitting through multiple tens of seconds of video stuff just to kind of get what you're what you're interested in i think Instagram still is a really browsable uh, you know, visual interface and the the sort of layering of the influencer level with photos with location, I think just makes a lot more sense on Instagram uh, than it does on TikTok. So I think that there's there's real potential here for for this to actually become something. I think it actually might be more likely to bleed usage and, and users away from Yelp than it is Google. I think that the overlap of audiences and sort of online phone behavioral usage is probably more significant with Yelp's user base. Um, But I think it could be one of the thousand nicks that does start to bleed some usage away from from Google and local.
1: Do you think that Facebook is excited about access to location information in a more focused way that would fulfill their advertising aspirations
2: sure i mean this is additional this is search behavior right i mean you could easily target someone that you knew lived in portland and was looking at stuff in san francisco to say okay you're a san francisco hotel this person is planning a trip somewhere um there's some really interesting user data here that this might enable them to to capture so
0: well and and it's worth pointing out that search advertising is immune to a lot of the privacy critiques that behavioral targeting has, has, uh, you know, suffered and confronted. Yep. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I spoke to somebody at Instagram before the pandemic and I don't know if that was 2019, it must've been 2019, who was saying, we're going to do a lot of stuff. You, you know, we're seeing stuff in travel. We're going to do a lot more st- and, re- and restaurants. We're going to do a lot more stuff in local. And then it sort of never materialized and the way that they announced this right. was not there was no press release there was nothing on the blog there was no blog post it was just a a zuckerberg screenshot with a piece of text on it and you had to sign into instagram to see it which was really weird and so it was just a very low key kind of almost like a an aside or off the cuff thing no there was no real announcement or fanfare and you know, I mean, Facebook blew it when they didn't get Waze in 2013 or whenever that was. You know, they they were negotiating with Waze and they were going to spend a billion dollars on Waze. And then Google s- swooped down and stole it from them. Or there was some snag with Facebook and Google wound up getting Waze, which they totally didn't need, even though they've integrated some of Waze's features. And they don't and they still sort of don't know exactly how to manage the two brands, I don't think. Um That would have been a game changer for Facebook, and we would have seen the company kind of go in a completely different direction. Now, I think that Facebook has gotten what it needs from small businesses in terms of ad revenue. So arguably, after a certain point, my prior belief was until they developed a really great local consumer product, they weren't going to get the same ad revenue. But they have. They have managed to get a lot of the small business ad revenue in the absence of a real consumer experience. So, you know, arguably, they don't need it. But I think they may need some search advertising revenue these days, you know, ironically, given the given the loss of ad IDs and stuff like that. So we'll see. I I, I think that for people who use Instagram, uh, it's a good it's a good option. It's an interesting option. I mean, I I I would never go to something like TikTok. But as I said in one of the posts, um, you know, I talked to my 23 year old daughter and I said, do you what you know what how do you find information and she she just took me through it very quickly boom 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 and and showed me she gets a ton of information visually about a restaurant from TikTok you know there's there's a certain level of authenticity there quote unquote and then you get a lot of information about the menu about the interior the experience that she says is very hard to get from Google directly you know even if you're reading reviews so reviews for certain category of people emerge as a really inefficient way to get information versus the visual uh, content that you would get from Instagram or, or, or TikTok, which I thought was really interesting.
2: Right. But that's, that's where I think the differentiator is here is that Instagram is, lends itself to actually a much faster review of visual information than TikTok does. Now, I don't know. I'm not a TikTok advanced user. Like it sounds like your daughter is, but it just strikes me that Instagram is is a more natural search experience than tiktok tiktok might be something where you go once you've identified two or three places that you're considering i i agree with that i agree with that is
0: that you can cover i don't think it'd be as good for the pure discovery phase you cover more ground more quickly with with instagram than you do with with tiktok which is more clunky from my point of view but for people who are really comfortable with it maybe not you know it's a it's a very different orientation i think than what we're you know we're 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 old relatively speaking and, uh, you know, we do the things the old fashioned way, right? Keyword mm-hmm. in the box, look at the reviews, you know, look at the map. Um, but I mean, you made, you made an interesting comment last week, I think about what would it be like if you designed a, a map, you know, from the ground up. Uh, Google Maps is essentially a translation of a paper map in some, in some sense, right. without knowing Rand McNally, right? right? I mean, <laughs> this, this <laughs> is, this is closer to that. This is, this is, not maybe that exact thing, but it's closer to that. And it's interesting. And so we'll have to see, I mean, we'll have to, I don't know how we'll get data about, you know, there's no data forthcoming about adoption and, and and usage of these things. It's just Google's own surveys, presumably that they're relying upon, you know, Hey, what do you use for local search? And they're probably getting, you know, they do survey after survey after survey, and they're probably getting responses that say, I use TikTok, I use Instagram. And so they're extrapolating from that. So We'll have to do our own research, I, I think.
1: Sounds good. And oh, and thank you for including me in the relative aging group, not the absolute aging group.:
0: Well, all age is relative, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, all right. Um, and we, we're nearing the conclusion of our uh, digital agency survey. We've got a lot of good responses. We're still looking for a few more. If you haven't taken that survey. We'll do one more push uh, with the link. Please do take it. It's going to be a lot of valuable information for us and for for you because it'll allow for a certain level of benchmarking. I think there's going to be some really interesting findings there. So please please take that and please remember to subscribe to the uh, Near Media if you don't already. And that concludes my remarks for this week, if you would like to add anything. All good. All Have right, a great See you week. next week. Thanks for joining David, Mike, and Greg. To stay on top of the latest developments in local, subscribe to our newsletter at nearmedia.co. We'll see you next week.